1: IPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marka Aflalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. Welcome to this
2: edition of Your Tech Report. I am Marka Flalo based in Montreal. He is Mitchell Whitfield, based in Los Angeles. On Twitter, at yourtechreport, facebook.com, slash yourtechreport, our email address. Contact at yourtechreport.com. Mitchell, we've got an awesome show lined up. How are you today?
3: I'm doing great. I'm kind of excited because we have uh, some great interviews lined up today. We have a lot of things to talk about in the news. And, of course, you know what? We can't forget our friends at Milwaukee. I'll be talking about three of the tools they sent us for all those listeners that are interested in hearing more about Milwaukee Power Tools. Yes.
2: Mitchell, we're going to indulge some of my smart home uh, aspirations. We're going to talk to a very cool creator who built an alarm system that is complete. Do-it-yourself if you want to take that for apartments, condos. Homes no matter what. Of course, we also have a, a very cool toy that was designed to get your kids off the iPad and some other fun stuff. All that on the way. But we start off with like, probably, I guess, the biggest news of this week, which is Apple releasing a brand new update to their iMac line. Mitchell?
3: Uh, Yeah. Exciting, they- No. Uh, it, it, it's exciting. You know, while, while we're talking, I'm actually going to open up the web page because there's something specifically I wanted to mention. Uh, yeah, they, they just released, of course, the big news is the 21.5-inch iMac has finally gotten its own Retina display. Now, unlike the 27-inch, which is a 5K, they're calling this a 4K display, slightly lower resolution, but people have been waiting this for, for, for a long time, Mark. In your opinion, is this something that you think is going to be incredibly popular? Because why should only the people that buy the 27-inch model be treated delicious 4k images right
2: listen we're expecting this retina display to appear on pretty much every apple device this one being 21.5 inches obviously can't pack that 5k in terms of the pixels but 4k is more than happy that's 9.4 million pixels in that display the price point the starting point was kind of cool $14.99, but what I can't get over, Mitchell, is that it's a 21.5-inch screen. To me, that is no longer the norm in terms of screen sizes. It has to be at least 24 inches.
3: Well, this is the problem. This is something I've been saying for a long time about the iMac lineup, which is I think they uh, they're sort of uh, not abandoning, but maybe abandoning a segment of their audience, of their consumer uh, makeup. Because for me, they're you know they used to have that 24-inch model mark. They used to have that 24-inch model that filled that sweet spot for I think a lot of users. And now, since I think the most popular displays right now on the market are the 24-inch displays back in the day listen back in the old days used to be a 13-inch display then 15-inch then 17-inch then 20-inch but i think 24-inch monitors have taken over as the most popular one so to not have anything in between the 21 and a half and the 27 i think is kind of a mistake because for me the 27 which i will be getting is just a touch too big for the yeah. average desk especially when you consider all the other things that you have going on your you know new digital office in your in your office but mark let's, let's Let's talk a little bit about what Apple didn't do this time around. Um, in addition to bringing out, of course, the new Retina 4K display, 21.5-inch uh, iMac, which, like you said, $1499, good entry point, has a 1-terabyte hard drive, comes with 8 gigs of RAM, mm-hmm. uh, comes with the Intel Core i5 processor. Now, these did get, as is, is, is it the Broadwell? I think the Broadwell is the new, is the successor to the Haswell. I think these do get the Broadwell processors, but only the new 27-inch IMAX got the most recent Skylake version of Intel's processor. Interesting choice to only have the Skylake on the 27-inch, I guess because they think of the power that it requires. This would, you know, sip less power, but again, it's a desktop, not really that much of an issue. But something else they did, Mark? What? They changed their very popular Fusion Drive. Now, for people that don't know what a Fusion Drive is... Good or bad, hang on,
2: good or bad, though, on on the Fusion Drive change? I
3: think... I think they changed it for the worse, but I'll tell you why. So for our listeners that don't know what a Fusion Drive is, basically it marries a solid state drive, which of course is lightning fast, but usually cost prohibitive. It marries uh, that SSD drive to a traditional flatter spinning drive, and what it does is it takes your core operating system and your base programs, lets you run that on the solid-state portion of the drive, and then stores your photos and all your files and puts those on the traditional drive, and it dynamically decides what you use more of and will put your most used programs on the flash storage portion so you get the most performance, right? In theory, this is great.
2: Now, you've had a Fusion drive. You have a Fusion drive on your current Mac Mini. Do you find it to be a fast-running drive?
3: I find it to be very fast-running drive. Okay. I think it does do a good job of moving things around. Again, it has its own brain, so it knows what software you use the most, and it, it prioritizes that into the solid-state portion of the drive, so you get the maximum speed boost that you can. Now, here's what happened. Tell me. The new Fusion Drive, the one terabyte model, that used to have a 128 gigabyte solid-state portion, yep. now only has a 28 gigabyte solid-state portion, which means basically only like one-fifth, they're a little more than one-fifth your of Your operating the, system you know, basically will fit on it. Yes, that's, that's about it. that's all it's going to hold. Now, it used to hold your OS with other programs. Now, basically, it's just going to hold your operating system and maybe a few other things. So they reduced the size of the solid-state portion of the of Fusion Drive, unless you get the two-gigabyte version of that Fusion Drive, <laughs> which then goes back up to its traditional size. That's weird. Uh, for the, and I just don't get it, because on its own, it's a 5400 RPM disk, the, the, the actual spinning hard drive which is not very fast. So I'm reading a lot of people online, a lot of news outlets are talking about the fact that they have these great 27-inch beautiful 5K IMAX with new processors, Skylake, all that. But they're being hampered and basically crippled by a slower hard drive Weird. that has a smaller solid-state portion. So not really sure why they did that. On the positive side, if you were waiting for the 27-inch model like I was, the entry-level model now has gone from 19.99 down to 17.99. Oh wow! So they've actually much. reduced the price. Yeah. So now the model that used to be 21.99 is now 19.99. So they did reduce some prices. They also upgraded the uh, Ra- the AMD Radeon graphics chips in there. They used to have the 290 series. Now they they have the M390 series, a very high-end mobile graphics processor. The
2: Wi-Fi is boosted as well, 802.11ac if you want that as well. You've got Thunderbolt 2 ports, which they didn't have in the previous model. So you're getting all that fun stuff as well, uh, Intel Iris Pro graphics, uh, yeah, as but you more, said, etc., etc.
3: Y- yeah, but now the, the other big news is there is new technology to announce as well, is that they just announced the new keyboard, the new mouse, mm-hmm. and the new touchpad. Which of are course, very these- cool. They're very cool. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, or do you want me to go on rambling? Like no, no, I'll,
2: I'll go on rambling. So the new keyboard sure. is 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 a brand new design. It is uh, it sits a bit lower because there's an integrated battery. There's no longer this whole strip on the back that requires two AA batteries. So to integrate a rechargeable battery with a lightning port on the back, so you can charge it, it has a dedicated on off switch, which is actually nice to have on this keyboard, and a new scissor design that gives you more stable keys. On a keyboard, the actual footprint of the keyboard is a little bit smaller than its original design, but the actual spacing of the keyboard remains the same, and that retails for ninety nine dollars. The Magic Mouse, on the other hand, retains its original design, has a built-in battery, which means it need to be it meant it need to be resigned needed to be resigned redesigned. I can't speak in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> needed to be redesigned from the ground up. Um, Hours upon hours upon days and months apparently were spent on the sound it makes just to move across your desk. But the biggest okay. introdu- introduction, in my opinion, is the brand new Magic Trackpad 2. The reason I say it's big, A, it, it's much larger. It has a rechargeable battery as well, has a lightning port for charging, but has forced touch. So no matter what computer you have, whether it be an iMac, whether it be a Mac Mini, whether it be your laptop, you can now get forced touch if you didn't have it before.
3: Okay, and I want to add one last thing to this, which is, of course, they are all rechargeable using a lightning connector. Yes. Something that anyone that's already in the you know Apple ecosystem with an iPad or a newer iPad or a newer iPhone, you already have that cable. I don't know if it comes with one in the box. It might, but it charges you know via this lightning cable. Now, here's something really interesting. They're promising at least a month of use on a single charge, okay? Yes. Which is nice. Nice to know that for a month, you won't have to worry about charging up your, your keyboard or mouse or touchpad, right? Here's where it gets really cool. Let's say you run out of juice and you have to recharge it quickly but you want to use your device right away. You want to use your computer right away. They're saying that just connecting for two minutes to the lightning connector for two minutes will pa- we'll give you enough power to run for nine hours. How crazy is that? What? So if you just plug into the lightning connector, if you plug in your keyboard for just two minutes, it will give you nine hours of use. To me, that fast charge element is even more important than having it have a month of battery. You're looking at me like I better look this up to double check you, right? No, 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 I'm just, what just what imagining saying.
2: myself borrowing someone's lightning connector when I normally do it from my phone saying, can I borrow it just for two minutes when I normally mean an hour and a half? But I actually, you know, actual two minutes, that's very, very cool. And that, you know, we should really dive into that to see if that is a new technological element that might make its way into other things.
3: Absolutely. I also wanted to let people know if you are interested in one of these 21.5 Retina iMacs, uh, the only downside is, unlike their 27-inch cousins, uh, the 21.5 Retina iMac will not have a dedicated graphics chip or graphics card. It will only be using the Intel Iris Pro Graphics 6200. Gotcha. As far as integrated graphics go, it is it is fast, it's powerful, but you are not getting separate, discrete graphics capabilities like you are getting with the higher-end 27-inch model. So, if you plan on doing anything, whether it's CAD design, any sort of programming, game developing, you're probably going to want to move up for many reasons, not the least of which is screen size, but if you want that extra graphics power, the 21.5 will not give you that.
2: It is your track report. I am Mark Aflalo. He is Mitchell Woodfield. We are talking about the latest news of this week. Apple also updated iMovie with support for 4K video, 1080p, and 60 frames per second. Plus, they added a new feature which allows you to continue working on a project that you might have started on your iOS device. If you want to pick up where you left off on your computer, you can do so as well. Uh, Microsoft Uh Office updated this week, Mitchell. We're hearing that this might have fixed a lot of the incompatibilities with El Capitan. I have not seen much change on that element of things yet to be confirmed.
3: Uh, yeah, and, and like like any operating system, there are going to be growing pains. And I think, listen, El Capitan is great. It wasn't a huge departure from what we had. I love calling it Yosemite, from what we had in Yosemite and even the OS before. Um, but, Even though it wasn't a huge departure, it did tweak and make things better. I am noticing I am getting the spinning beach ball of death a little more often than I would like. I'm getting slight mini crashes and stutters. Uh, So any, listen, I know Microsoft is going to be updating to make sure that they get all the bugs out, but I think we're going to see Apple doing the same. Uh, So if you're having issues like some of us are with the latest El Capitan, don't worry, Apple's been great in the past about ironing out those bugs really quickly.
2: Mitchell, you know we all battle with the explosion of technology and how sometimes it feels like it's almost taking over our, our children's lives. Those with oh, kids yeah. understand that. Or if you look anywhere, you you kind of see that. Um, I got this email the other day, and and one dad in particular came up with a combination of of technology and playtime and, and education into a really unique product called Cannybot. So. Yes. Instead of me trying to explain and point people to a website, we have the co-founder and the CEO of Cannybot, Anish Mampeta. How are you?
4: I'm good, Mitchell. How are you? Well, we're,
2: we're doing great. Do me a favor. Before we even try to get into some of the, the education part of it, tell us what the premise of Cannibot is in its simplest form.
4: Well, Cannybot is a smart toy car that you can control from your tablet. So it can be used in a number of play scenarios like racing, um, maze solving, and sumo wrestling, etc.
2: Now, now it's it's more way more than a toy because when you first check the video, which is available on Kickstarter, and we'll post that on our Twitter right now, it looks like it's a remote control car that's great. But out of the box itself, you have to build that car, don't you?
4: Exactly. Yes. Uh, So what, uh, candy is It's actually a toy car, but it's also a, a toy robot. So what we're giving kids is the opportunity to build their own uh, toy robot so that they understand uh, how a robot is actually built and they get to see all the components inside the robot.
3: Uh, Anish, you know what I really love about this, and I think Mark touched on it uh, during the introduction. As a parent, as you said, we're always struggling with, yes, we want to uh, let our kids use our technology, whether it's through tablets or smartphones or screens. or in front of screens every day. But the impetus for this really was uh, to create something that wasn't just It wouldn't just have your kids sitting behind a tablet, but be completely interactive, part of the building process programming. So there really was a lot of thought going into this about getting your kids more involved than just sitting in front of a screen, yes? Yes, exactly, yes.
2: One of the things that you do, uh, obviously, you can order s- large-scale tracks that you can play with. Um, the cars actually stay on the line, so you're not worried about driving them on the track properly. You can control speed and various elements of it. But aside from buying those large-scale tracks, users can print their own at home?
4: Yes, exactly. So uh, what CannyBot does is it's following a black line uh, track. So if you can just print out a black line on a white paper, it should just follow it. Also, you can create your own track using the black electrical tape that you have in your home. So you can just put a black tape on your floor, and it should just follow it. So once it's on the track, it just sticks to the track, so you can just control the speed, and you can go fast on the track. So just like your old-time scalar tricks, really.
2: So really, I go to Home Depot, I go to anywhere, I spend 99 cents or cheaper on just electrical tape. I can can tape my whole house, uh, the floor, anywhere, and it follows the line. How does it do that? Is it just a camera
4: system? It, it is an optical uh, sensor underneath, so it's essentially three little eyes uh, underneath. So it, it uses the two eyes to, edge, to detect the edge of the tape, and the middle eye detects the color on the tape. So um, yeah, so it's following the tape using the two outer eyes. But you know, you can also put white markers on the tape to indicate the start and uh, finish line, <laughs> so that you can have an actual racing.
2: That's great. T- talk to me about the education part of it though because in the classroom, what kind of application are people using in in schools?
4: So, uh essentially uh, here in the UK and uh, elsewhere, uh, there are there's a big push to teach kids programming as well as design. Uh, so essentially it covers under the STEM uh system, which is a science, technology, engineering and math. Uh, system. So there's a big push to get kids educated on that. So cannybots are used to teach programming in the primary school, and then it's used to uh, teach design in the secondary school. Uh, so it, it's, it's actually the cannybot designs, all the cannybot designs are 3D print compatible, which means you can just 3D print a cannybot at school. So that's why it's really good for teaching design at schools.
3: Yeah, you know, that's really cool. But here I am thinking, and I think Mark knows where I'm going to go with this. Obviously, it's great for kids on many levels. There's the fun factor. There's the educational factor. There's the building stuff with your parents, friends, and family. But I'm looking at this, thinking, wait a minute. I'm a 51-year-old man, and this is appealing to me too. So this is something that adults <laughs> could have fun with as well. Yes, I'm, it's not just me, right?
4: You're absolutely right. You know, like our whole team. Like we build this because we love building it. It's a uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen uh, when we go to fairs, they're like uh, older people, they just want to buy and we thought uh, it's for the kids, but actually they're buying it for themselves, actually. Uh, also, we made the programming aspect of this so simple that anybody can really program. So even if you're never coded a uh, written line of program in your whole life, you can still be actually con- uh, programming candy right right of your tablet using very simple interface. So no matter which, what age you are, you can actually have fun with Candybot and also do a bit of coding and programming using our, tab, uh, our app, actually.
2: Well, you know what? It's, it's a smart toy. It's a robot. It's built by kids. It's educating people in science technology. Where can people fund the project right now? Is it only on Kickstarter?
4: It's only on Kickstarter at the moment, yes. Uh, but you know, it's going to hit uh, retail stores by March next year. But if you want to buy Christmas, you'll have to buy it on Kickstarter.
2: And listen, your, your original goal was $40,000. At that, the point in which we're taping this uh, interview, you're over $140,000 with just about you know, 20, 25, 28 days to go. Congratulations, Anish. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your product. And uh, we're definitely going to back this project because I want to get playing. I mean, I'm, I want to get my children playing. Coming up, we are going to go hands-on with some very cool Milwaukee tools.
1: Your Tech Report will be right back. Now, back to Your Tech Report. We're going hands-on. Oh, I love this part of the show. I love this part of the show.
2: Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo (laughs) in Montreal. Mitchell Whitfield with you in Los Angeles. On Twitter, it's at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And, of course, our email address is contact at yourtechreport.com. Mitchell, we got a lot of email in the past month or so because we talked about Milwaukee Tool, and their announcement, their their connected equipment, yeah, and they wanted key, to hear thing, yeah. more. So I think yeah. this is well-timed. This is not.
3: Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, this is something where, you know, I think people forget about how many aspects of their lives are touched by advances in technology. And we talked about this, I think, before we actually interviewed Christian Coolis, uh, of course, over in Milwaukee, and he talked to us about one key—the uh, digitally connected tools—and all the great stuff they have coming out this year. Um, and people forget that something like power tools especially Milwaukee tools there's so much technology built in and technology that's actually incredibly useful in our day-to-day lives so we figured why not reach out to Milwaukee and months ago we started talking about this and Milwaukee tool was kind enough to provide us with different tools that we could test and review and share with our audience and like you said Mark we got a great response to it i don't think when people a lot of there are a lot of tech shows or tech sites that think to review tools and people love it well, we don't.
2: We also don't realize the different segments of the market that use tools and understand how they use them. Right when right. they when they unveiled OneKey, it was about not only your home use, but think about people who are using tools for their trade. People who oh, are construction sites, workers yeah. and need to inventory their tools, need to calibrate their tools in different ways to use them differently. And they do repeat actions every day. And it's important to have data that might support that stuff. So this is why it's even more unique.
3: Absolutely. And and one of the things that we love about Mil- what Milwaukee has done over the years, aside from just building great, great tools, both power and otherwise, uh, they're really smart in how they design the battery technology, their fuel system, which is what we're going to be talking about today, their fuel line of cordless tools. Uh, they have the M12, M18, M18 fuel. Now they have an M24 line as well. Uh, but the battery tech and the uh, brushless motors in these tools just really take performance to the next level. I think, remember I talked about the M12 Fuel, which is a 12-volt a yeah. uh, M12 drill, a hammer drill that could really compete with 18-volt tools and I had no problem taking, you know, <laughs> I was going to say taking my tool everywhere, but I did. I would take the drill to people's houses and try using it and say, hey, try this, and it was outperforming the 18-volt of other brands like you wouldn't believe.
2: What I found sometimes, especially with these, these hammer drills, is that um, people would rely on their traditional plug-in power ones because right. they provide more power. But we have come to the point now where battery power tools are equal, if not better, than those that you just plug into the wall.
3: And so much easier to use. And I think the biggest compliment, again, I think I told this to Christian in our interview, the biggest compliment you can get is when you see people working on a job site. Again, these are men and women that work with their hands, that work on these sites for a living, okay? And you see them using cordless Milwaukee tools. That tells you everything you need to know, because years ago, they would laugh and say, oh, no, well, cord, it always gives you more power. Well, let, let, let me bring this to what we're going to talk about today. Let's do- We've done, I, I, try, I try and, you know, review these tools that I think people will relate to and people have need for, and there's no better reason to review stuff, Mark, than when you actually have a use for it y- yourself. And as you know, we've been redoing the front yard. Tracy and I have done stuff ourselves. We've had to hire some people to do some work in the front yard. But so I'm trying to work with those tools that I actually can use as part of the home projects we're doing. So what do they send us? Number one, we got the M18 fuel seven and a quarter inch circular saw. Okay. Uh, again, If you're looking to have a tool as part of your arsenal, I said, you know, of course, having the great, the fuel drill, whether it's the M12 or M18, having their Sawzall, and we've done the M18 fuel Sawzall that Milwaukee has great, pieces to have in your arsenal. Circular saw is the next logical choice. You're, if you're if you're doing any sort of home improvement, you're making cuts for us, it was doing our front yard the the fence, okay? Making cuts with this device has is so incredibly easy, Mark. And you talk about the power that these that these brushless batter the brushless motors have and the battery the battery powered lithium ion the 4.0 series that gives you extra power. The actual better battery makes your tool more powerful It makes it run longer, run cleaner. But something I I, I not thing to talk about before when we did our interviews, Mark, is you forget about how important ergonomics are, okay? Yeah. If you can't hold it in your hand properly, if that doesn't have a good balance, if the grip, if the grip does not made of good soft materials that are sturdy, if, like I said, the balance of the tool is off, it's something that you're not only not going to enjoy using over a long period of time, you're not going to be able to use it for a long yes. period of time if there's too much vibration. And they put so much thought into the ergonomics of both this circular saw and then, of course, the grinder that they sent. Now, A lot of people don't know, you know, maybe what a grinder does, but if you've ever done any sort of tile or outdoor work where you're you're cutting stone or cutting tile, a grinder is a necessary part of your arsenal. Again, the way they design the handle, the way they balance this tool, the power is off the charts. I I have yet to run them to the ground. I I tend to recharge things before I'll completely run out, but I've used these devices for hours at a time and have never run out of power. The nice part is uh, one of them came as a kit, my circular Saw came as a kit with two of their jumbo extended life batteries. The grinder came as a bare tool, which once you have the charger mark and once you have a couple of batteries, it's really smart to start getting these the items as bare tools because you already have a charger, you already have an ecosystem built in with the batteries. Now you can save some money by the bare tool, and you have you already have everything built in, everything ready to go. The last thing I wanted to mention is, and you're, you're going to kind of laugh at me about this, <laughs> you know what I had them? You know, thank you. You know what I had them send me? What? The M18 Wet Dry Vacuum. Now, don't laugh. A wet dry vac is another important part of your arsenal. Now, not just for cleaning up messes or cleaning up jobs or worksite, also for your car. It makes an incredible vacuum for your car. It's as beautiful. It weighs under 10 pounds. It looks like it's in a small Milwaukee branded suitcase. It's a small box. Uh, it's a two-gallon two, two capacity. It's for under $100 as, as a bare tool. And it really has incredible suction. It's a great car vac. It's great for cleaning up smaller jobs. Obviously, you're not going to use this to clean up nails or, you know, big pieces of wood on a, on a big job, but around the home, around the office, around the car, spills around that. It's portable. It's sealed. It has a HEPA filter built in. And again, we're talking under $100. So I, really? I don't know what... Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say other than please, Milwaukee, keep sending us these fantastic tools because we love them. And we're trying... Again, please send us your emails because what what you guys send us in terms of what you want to hear about, we will be responsive to. We've already gotten a couple of requests for our next tools to review, uh, but thank you also to our friend Carly Tyler, in addition, of course, to Christian Kulitz over there. Carly has been giving us these tools to review. We appreciate it, and it really lets us talk about these tools on a different level because we are able to actually use them.
2: Milwaukee Tool are available in uh, pretty much everywhere, right? I know some have exclusivity to Home Depot, some I think there's different things like that, like Lowe's, but I think you can get them pretty much anywhere, can't you?
3: Absolutely. They're available all over the place. Uh, I, I tend to look at Home Depot. Home Depot has great pricing. Um, and you can also get these combo sets, Mark. And you end up saving a lot of money when you buy these tool combo sets, whether it's an M18 combo set, M12, where they'll package two, three, four, maybe up to eight or ten tools even. Uh, and you end up saving money as you know as opposed to buying them individually. So, yeah, you can get them everywhere.
2: Very cool. It is Your Tech Report. He is Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. I am Mark Aflalo in Montreal. Again, click to uh, YourTechReport.com and follow us on Twitter. At your tech report and facebook.com slash your tech report, and our email address again contact at yourtechreport.com. Lots of fun stuff coming up around the corner. Stick around.
1: Your tech report will be right back. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Welcome back to Your Tech Report.
2: Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you. He, of course, in wonderful sunny California. Me, myself in unfortunately getting colder Montreal. <laughs> On Twitter, it's at yourtechreport. Facebook.com slash yourtechreport. Our email address is contact at yourtechreport.com. Mitchell, have you ever been away from your home uh, while you're expecting a package?
3: Uh, Yeah, and it's actually quite frustrating because uh, you never know, first of all, if it's going to show up. It's going to be put in the right place. Uh, Yeah, so it's one of those things where I get nervous if I'm not there because I have no idea when it's gone, if if anyone's opened up my gate, all that stuff. Yeah.
2: Okay, I'm obviously getting at something. Have you ever uh, wondered who's at the door, but you didn't want to go there and actually let them know that you're home?
3: Um, yes. Uh, is, is hiding a shameful thing? Possibly, it, it, but I do it, yes.
2: Depending who's there. Okay. Well, you don't want
3: to know, sometimes you want to know that people are there, but they don't need to know that you're there. I mean, I ha- it's simple.
2: I have the solution for you, and the solution okay. is a product called SkyBell, which is, uh, I'll give the summary, but uh, I want to bring on Andrew Thomas, who's the co-founder of SkyBell. Andrew, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thank you.
2: Andrew, tell me if my description of your product is accurate. SkyBell is a Wi-Fi-enabled video doorbell. Basically, you, you press the button if you're a visitor at the door, and a live video feed and notification will ring the smartphone, of course, the person who owns that uh, the wonderful home. And you can talk two-way, back and forth to the person who's there, or you can even just ignore the fact that you heard the doorbell and just spy on the person who's standing there <laughs> with your package, right?
0: You nailed it right on the head. That is, Those are... That's exactly what our product does and, and those are the intentions and the problems that we try to solve. A lot of it's about, you know, getting control back over your your front door, whether it's for a package or whether it's to feel safer about opening the door. You know, most break ins happen because someone opens the door to the wrong person. So you know, we're trying to solve those problems. Those are those are two really big ones.
2: So obviously we know the need that you're filling, but how did the idea actually come about? Because it's always fun to find out where the, the, the inception of the idea came about.
0: It really came from the same stories you guys just mentioned. So a few of us got to just complaining about the doorbell. Um, for some of us, it was about being away, you know, at work, at, at your desk, not knowing what's happening at your house or if you're away traveling. Um, just being out of touch with what's happening at your front door uh, it was, a, was a big complaint. And then, you know, for me, it was packages. If you you miss a package, it could ruin your whole week because you got to spend two hours at the UPS center getting your package. <laughs> so, um, not to mention if somebody steals it. So there was just <laughs> a lot of complaints around you know the front door, and we're like, man, we have cell phones on us all the time, Wi-Fi super fast. Why don't we create a video doorbell that allows you to see who's at your door? Let's put a motion sensor on it so that if if someone's out in front and they shouldn't be. It can alert you, or if that package comes, it will trigger when the uh, the delivery man drops off the package. You can tell your neighbor to go get it, or you can tell the delivery guy to, to go around back and leave it in your, in your backyard. So just all these different ways that having a, a doorbell really was about you know security. Uh, we had some women in our, in our group that just said, I feel unsafe when that doorbell rings. Um, but it's, So a lot of it's about security, but a lot of it's just about Everyday conveniences. If you can see who's at your door, you don't have to interrupt family dinner. You don't have to pause the hockey game to get up and <laughs> and answer the door for yet another salesperson. It's just small things that that this video doorbell actually frees you from, uh, whether it's worry or inconveniences.
3: You know what it is. I mean, it really is a modern video version of caller ID. We've been doing this forever on our phones. Why not have a video caller ID for the people that are showing up at our homes? It's a natural digital extension of what we've been doing on the telephone, right?
0: You're exactly right, and because SkyBell records video of people who don't come to your door, it's also like a video voicemail for your door. So at the end of the the day, you could see who came to your door, um, you know, just like an activity log, like in your phone. You're exactly right.
3: You know, Andrew, I mean, first of all, it sounds fantastic. And I'm, uh, Mark, of course, and I have been talking about home automation. Mark is especially a big fan. We talk about a product like this. The average person, the, let's, let's talk about our listeners out there that are maybe not that well-facled with digital technology, and they're sitting here listening, saying, wow, this sounds great, but the barrier to entry always seems to be ease of use, setup. How do we get this going? So talk about how easy it is to set up SkyBell just for the average person that may not be used to doing something like this.
0: You know that's a really good point. That's who we've designed this product for. We saw an opportunity early on to create a product and a solution that was you know, kind of acted as a DIY home security solution. Um, you know, a two hundred Skybell costs two hundred dollars. You could go to your Best Buy or go to Amazon, pay two hundred dollars, and secure this video doorbell to your front door and enjoy a great deal of security. And control over your front door. So we made it, you know, as easy as we could. So the process works like this. You remove your old doorbell, SkyBell installs to uh, the wall in the same position your old doorbell was at. We use the same two wires, and you just disconnect the old one, attach SkyBell, attach it to the wall mount, and then you sync the device to your home's Wi-Fi with your smartphone. So that's really it. it. It takes 15 minutes or so, and it's really not too bad.
2: Does SkyBell ring the uh, the traditional doorbell as well when they hit that button?
0: It does. So the indoor chime will still make a sound, and then we had a number of moms real early on give us feedback, and they say, "Gosh, can you turn that indoor chime off because it's waking up my baby every time someone presses the doorbell?" Well, I just got <laughs> him to yeah. just
2: got him to nap. I I feel this one. <laughs>
0: yes, you know, sleeping is a sleeping baby is is a happy mom. So, um, you know, or parent. So you. We, what we did is we put a little uh, mode called Quiet Home where you can hit it and it basically puts your home into silent mode so that when someone presses the doorbell, it doesn't ring the chime in the house, but the parent still gets the push notification on their smartphone.
2: Andrew, you know I'm not going to lie about the fact that I know there are, there are other similar products out there, but uh, SkyBells is, is, is different in one important way, that, and you can tell me the others as well, is that you can access that video feed regardless of somebody hitting that, hitting that button on the door. So if you see something suspicious, you're wondering, and you want to just monitor the outdoors, you can do that. Was that an important factor in the design?
0: That was such an important factor. It's a great thing to highlight by by always being accessible skybell becomes a monitoring tool for a for a user so you can open up the camera feed at any time from the app day or night doesn't matter you don't need to wait for someone to press the doorbell or trigger the motion sensor and we knew that this smart home market was evolving so that we'd all all these devices would be connected and talking to each other so we wanted to be more than just a video doorbell So you mentioned, you know, there are other people in the space. Um, Their experiences are limited to a button press or a motion sensor. Their Wi-Fi does not stay on all the time. Therefore, you cannot speak to the device when you want to speak to it. So that's important for users who say, you know what, I want to check on my home. I'm out of town. Let's see what's going on. But it's also really big for the smart home. So, for example, if if a window sensor gets triggered or another device detects motion, Um, A great example of this is is the Nest Cam. We're part of the Works with Nest program. If your Nest Cam detects motion inside your house while you're away, it can actually tell SkyBell to automatically turn on and start recording video.
2: Does SkyBell work with other third-party tools like IFTTT or any other products?
0: You you know, we are a part of HomeKit. We were one of the original uh, round of, of devices that were included in the HomeKit program. We're part of Xfinity Home's collection of devices that are compatible with Xfinity Home, and that should be released you know in the, in the coming months. Um, and then recently, Works with Nest. So we speak with the Works with Nest, or I'm sorry, the Nest Cam. So again, if, if Nest Cam detects motion while you're away, it will tell Skybell HD to turn on and start recording. And you can also turn on your Nest Cam from within the Skybell app if you're speaking to somebody and let's say you want to let somebody in, or you are speaking to somebody and they're suspicious, you want to make sure your Nest Cam's recording, you can actually make sure it's recording and turn it on if it isn't from within the SkyBell app.
3: Okay, Andrew, I'm going to put something out here now because this SkyBell seems to solve so many problems that so many of us have. Uh, and, and of course, there's secu- the security element, but of course the packages that we talked about earlier, getting people to leave them in the right place. The only thing, I, I'm going to give, throw something out there for you for version 2.0, you ready? Find a way... To let it leave a digital signature, because sometimes you never know when these people need a signature and they won't leave the package. Digital signature, the next big thing for SkyBell.
0: <laughs> it's a great recommendation. We believe in that too, so we're we're working
2: on it. <laughs> uh, Mitchell, I think that was the corporate line. It was. We'll take that into consideration and add it to our feature list.
3: Uh, you know what? I-, I would like to be able to reach my hand through and just sign for a package. You no, know, but it really has every feature you're looking for. And just to give you guys some context, you both already know this. My video doorbell system that I had put in maybe ten years ago, and it wasn't top of the line, but it was cost nearly a thousand dollars, and it had maybe a fraction of the features that we're talking about with SkyBell. So to hear that the price point is right and it blows away all the feature sets, it, it appeals to me. I mean, it genuinely does.
0: You guys bring up good points. I mean. Home access control, this idea of seeing who's there, let them in, this idea of digital signatures, these are all the next steps in, in I think, Skybell's future. So right now, it's all been about creating a very good video doorbell that shows you who's there um, and, and speaks with those other smart home products. The next step for us is, is not only about access control, delivery validation, but it's also about how do we make neighborhoods safer? Yep. So how do we make... A collection of homes with SkyBell safer than just a regular neighborhood, and so you know we're not stopping here. We've got you know other products, more services coming, and also these solutions to say let's make let's make a neighborhood that has SkyBell safer than the neighborhood that doesn't.
2: I, I love I love where you're going with it, Andrew. I, I want to thank you very much. I mean, people, if you want to find out more about SkyBell, it's skybell.com. SkyBell 2.0 is 149 available at Amazon, Best Buy, Home Depot. You can find it there, and you have SkyBell HD, which has obviously a better camera, and it's selling for 199. Your product is built and and completely manufactured in the U.S. Is it not?
0: Believe it or not, we manufacture our device in california and our entire team of engineers and devs and uh, programmers are all in the
2: united states that is phenomenal completely
0: made in the usa
2: love it andrew thank you so much for taking the time to join us you know i'm going to bug you to try and get my hands on with one if not two because mitchell wants one too
0: absolutely guys thanks for having me and definitely reach out and
5: uh We'll be happy to support
2: that. Andrew Thomas, co-founder of SkyBell. Again, check skybell.com. When we come back, a very cool alarm system that not only has uses for the do-it-yourselfer, but a complete monitoring and, and tools for any kind of need that you can think of. It's called Scout Alarm, and we're going to speak to the founder and creator when we get back right here on your tech report.
1: Your tech report will be right back. For gadget news and reviews, click to YourTechReport.com. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. On Twitter,
2: it's at Your Tech Facebook.com slash Your Tech Of course, our email address is
3: YourTechReport.com. Now, Mark, we all have things that are special to us, that are near and dear to our hearts. Even though we embrace all technology, we have things that, that are important to each of us. Now, for me, it's drones, but I think if, if I'm with drones, your thing would be home automation. Am I right here? Is it fair to say your, drone, my, your home automation is equal to my drone love, correct? Mitchell, you know, I don't hide the fact that I'm, I'm big into home automation, home security. So uh, when someone
2: recommended that I take a look at this product, I, I absolutely did. Scout Alarm is basically a smart alarm system. It raised more than uh, $474,000 in pre-orders. It did an independent crowdfunding campaign back in 2013. So rather than me regurgitate information about this company, we reached out to Scout Alarm. And on the line with us now is Dan Roberts, CEO. Dan, welcome.
5: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Dan, tell me tell me the story about Scout before we really get into the product because before you know Kickstarter and Indiegogo and all these crowdfunding campaigns were getting really really popular. You guys did this on your own and did it so successfully. How did you How did you come up with that idea?
5: Yeah, so a couple things kind of came together all at once. Um, you know, we were working out of an incubator here in Chicago and uh, experimenting with some sensing technologies. So you know, a lot of powerful things have become available to the maker and tinkerers of the world. So we were prototyping with those. And um, at the same time, I'm living in Chicago and in a high rise with a doorman and moved into an up and coming area uh, for a single family home and really wanted home security. And I started looking around and, you know, all the usual suspects, uh, ADT and, um, you know, monotronics, all these folks. And I uh, just really wasn't excited about what I saw technology wise. Yeah. And also, you know, I moved or rented for long enough that I didn't know that I was going to be in a house for for three or five years. So those two worlds kind of came together, and we said, "Hey, you know, we really could push the boundary on not only sensing technology, but also you know, just the user experience. Um, bring home security into the into the modern era."
2: Well, and you've definitely done that with Scout. So so tell me, what does Scout do that sets it apart from everybody else? Because I know everybody's used to the traditional alarm system that's connected via, you know, some kind of copper line over to a central. And, and there's no real interactivity, really. You just turn your alarm, turn your, you know, turn it on, turn it off. Scout is completely different in, in many ways, shape, and form, but also holds true to the original concept of home security.
5: True. Yeah, I think there's a couple things that we do uh, different. We, we certainly have a focus on design, so our user experience is front and center. So everything from you know the purchase process, which is completely customizable, uh, to the installation, which is all DIY and done on your phone, through to the day-to-day use, where we have um, integrated with a number of, of connected home technologies, um, it just creates this curated user experience I think is severely lacking in uh, home security. So, you know, try to make it more modern. Uh we certainly tried to make it affordable. You know, if you look at the traditional guys, you're talking about a three or five year contract, yeah. um, sixty, seventy bucks a month. So you're looking at, you know, two thousand dollars plus all in over the lifespan of that product. Um, we're trying to make it more affordable. Our average system is, you know, three hundred and ninety nine dollars. Um, and then you own it, you know, so you can take it with you from house to house, uh, completely portable and, and repurposable. Um,
2: and that really what is I mean, that. What well, that it really is one of the beauties of Scout is that it is. It is a, for those who don't know. Obviously, it's it's a completely modular system. You can build the system, customize the system any way, shape, or form you want. If you have four doors in your home, if you have two doors in your home, uh, window sensors, motion sensors, et cetera, et cetera. You really can customize Scout. To fit your needs, and as you said, because it is is do it yourself, you can install it and also take it down and move it to a new home without any issues whatsoever. There's no contracts you're breaking, none of that stuff, unless of course you want to have some kind of monitoring contract, right? Right.
5: Exactly. So one of the
2: things. Go ahead. Sorry.
5: I was going to say the nice thing is you still have the features of a, a traditional system. So we have backup battery, three uh, G cellular backup, and we have professional monitoring um, that is optional. Uh that where we dispatched the police for you. So it has the flexibility of DIY with the power of, of the traditional
2: the setup on Scout is really amazing. I was looking at some of the the, the, the online setup and the setup with the smartphone. You really have gone uh, a, a whole new level in terms of the user interface, not only in the design of the product, but the ease in which you install and add new modules to your system is great. Um, the, the thing that really caught my attention when I first saw Scout was the fact that, it, as you said, it is integrated with third-party services, so you can do things a bit differently. You can add a, a, a open close sensor to a garage door to uh, a liquor cabinet to a gun cabinet and and customize alerts based on those specific things for example open the front door and the lights go on using services like ifttt how important was it to make scout compatible with these third-party services
5: oh, i think it's absolutely crucial um uh, you yeah, know that's what we were looking when you when you're looking at a lot of these companies they lock you into the you know, only devices they produce and um You know, we don't feel that we need to go out and and reproduce every device in the world. There are certainly companies that are doing specific devices uh, very well. And uh, in that case, we just want to integrate with them. Only the devices that we feel from a a user experience or a technology point of view need to be redesigned. um, Will we go and make that? But there were an official Works with Nest partner. Uh, We're an Amazon Echo partner, so you can actually voice control your scout. Um, We have IFTTT, as you mentioned, Philips Hue, and LifeX. And that just really gives the consumer the ability to, um, you know, use all the connected home products that they know and love in, in combination with Scout and don't have to worry about whether Scout's going to create a, a thermostat or, you know, a, a smoke detector.
2: Now, were those external third-party services always on the roadmap or is something that kind of happened as you we were developing the product?
5: That was always a focus for us, yeah. from uh, even Even before we launched into the market, we were talking to folks about, integrations and getting beta kits out to uh to those folks so i think it's just core to what we believe a 2015 you know home security user experience should feel like
2: now you talk about 2015 if you were to look ahead at let's say 2020 what where do you see your company sitting at that point i I see it as a pinnacle in in terms of the center of your smart home really um but where do you see it
5: well, I think, yeah, I think that's a nice thing about home security is people understand the problem we're solving. You know, so while we allow you to layer on additional home automation um, devices and services, uh, at the core of it is something you really need and people really value. So um, in 2020, I think, you know, we're going to be pushing sensing technologies. Uh, you know, we always want to make things smaller, faster, uh, all of that happy stuff. But I think... Uh, You know, the industry really needs to see some new technology as it it pertains to sensing technologies. I'd like to see the sensors, you know, recede a little bit, uh, at least get smaller, potentially disappear, Um, and and just kind of blend in the background, right? And and even uh, on the server side of things and and the automation piece, using the data that the users generating uh, for their benefit, where we can actually, uh, you know, arm and disarm the system for you based on your daily activities and and really be smart about the way that uh, the security system talks to the devices around the home.
2: Dan, we have, a, we have a, a, an affiliate, one of the stations that carry our, our show, that uh, cater to the visually impaired. And it's, one of those things uh, came, came to mind when I was thinking about Scout in the ways in which you can use your system for people who can't see, and people have impairments, whether it be triggering audio notifications. Have you seen an uptake in those kind of markets?
5: yeah I think that we are certainly thinking about um you know we hadn't specifically singled out you know the visually impaired um we have thought about you know uh, senior monitoring and also sort of acute care um so talking to some partners on on that front um but yeah i think I think you're right there's a couple things we can do for folks with um uh, uh you know different conditions where We have, you know, audio capabilities. I think, uh, you know, future versions of the system will have a speaker as opposed to just a piezo. Yeah. We also have, you know, the lights. So if uh, if you had somebody that was hearing impaired, you might be able to do some visual cues. Um, So, yeah, I think there's a lot of options. And and when it comes to things like senior care, um, you know, with our sort of aging population population, the children of, of elderly folks would would love to know that someone's up and moving around, and you know they, they've opened the refrigerator, or um, you know they've successfully uh, armed the system for the evening. It just gives some peace of mind to folks that are um, maybe not in the same local area.
2: Understood. If someone wanted to get up and started with Scout today, do they have to ScoutAlarm.com, or can they get it uh, other retailers as well? I noticed on Amazon they sell some modules.
5: Yeah, yeah. So ScoutAlarm.com is probably the most um, Streamline experience for you. Um, you know, we do sell on Amazon. We'll start with a base kit there and add sensors. Um, we'll also have some partners that are announcing here this fall. Uh, so very soon, um, some utility customers uh, and some some satellite TV customers will be able to uh, have access to, to Scout.
2: What, what, what in, in terms of the DIY element of it, how long does it take to set up an uh, you know an average system?
5: Yeah, unless you have a ton of sensors, um, you know, it's gonna be 30 minutes or less. Um, oh, really? For the for the average kit, yeah. And how
2: how interactive are you with your user base? Do you get a lot of feedback, and do you re- do you you know obviously cater new features and and new elements sure. as you're developing to it?
5: Yeah, we we get a ton of feedback from the community. Uh, we actually have a community forum uh, on our website where, where folks can go and request features or report bugs or um, you just generally talk amongst themselves. So we get a lot of uh, feedback from that, and then. You know, the customer support tickets, um, not always are actually customer support. There's people saying, hey, I love Scout, but could you please do this too? <laughs> and so uh, we're trying to keep up. Everyone's got great ideas, and, uh, you know, we <laughs> can't build it as fast as uh, people request it.
2: Dan, before before I let you go, I want to ask you about this, this big buzzword that everybody's talking about, which is Apple's HomeKit. Is it, I mean, obviously there's so many different... I I guess, protocols or different systems that you could possibly integrate with. Is is HomeKit all that everybody thinks it's going to be?
5: You know, I think it's still TBD, honestly. Yeah. Um, while there are some HomeKit-certified devices that came out, I think there's only four of them that launched. And, and part of that is I think Apple is still sort of uh, evolving what, what they anticipate HomeKit being, you know, exactly. So with each... A uh, new announcement around HomeKit. We get a few more details. I think the biggest thing from a hardware manufacturer standpoint is that there are, you know, hardware criteria to be uh, HomeKit compatible. So it's not just something.
2: Um, not just a software update. You have to have physical hardware there.
5: Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Gotcha. And, and so, but it does require a hardware change if you're not already just inherently meeting the standard. Um, so I think it's still TBD. I think you know, Apple always does interesting things. I, I don't doubt that HomeKit will be um, a successful platform and that, that Scout will eventually uh, be a part of that. But I think that um, the details have just been a little light. And uh, as that evolves and, and comes into focus, you know, we'll get a better idea on HomeKit.
2: Dan Roberts, the CEO of Scout Alarm, I want to thank you so much for joining us. For our listeners, again, you can go to uh, scoutalarm.com. Again, you've make, you made everything, even from the ordering process, very easy. You can build your system right there online and, uh, and check out. Now, in terms of the monitoring um, and support, is that something only available in the U.S. right now, or is that available in Canada as well?
5: U.S., Canada, and the Caribbean. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, there may be some uh, some things if you're in Quebec, but um, outside of Quebec, you know, no, no sweat. We cover that
2: just a language issue i guess eh <laughs>
5: yes yes
2: correct understood dan thank you so much for taking the time to join us we're going to uh, i'm going to i'm going to bug you to try and get some hands on time and uh, give people some more uh, more review a bit later on
5: yeah, perfect, please do. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Mitchell, you know there's one place that I can think of specifically that you would use Scout alarm for, knowing how your house is, you know, people don't, tend, you know, don't put alarms on their gates for example, and you have this gate before your front door. Oh, well, with Scout right. because it's wireless, you can put an, you know, an open and close on your gate so you can get notified when someone's opening the gate before they even ring to get in.
3: Yeah, I love that. The only downside is I know whenever we uh, have a great interview talking about home automation and I get excited about it, I know that product will never make its way to me because you will never let it out of your grubby little mitts. That's the only downside here.
2: Kind of like the drones unless I come to California. But I promise you I will get you some Scout. You know what? I actually built my Scout system. If you go to their website and you customize how many doors and stuff like that, and I have a lot. Still under $1,000 for everything that I could possibly need. And you can move it from home to home without a worry of it being hardwired, which is pretty cool.
3: So it's modular, but it's also incredibly simple to put together. So the average Joe does not have to worry about building their own
1: system, right? Exactly. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com.